even if I wake up on any given day and I am feeling drained, I'm already feeling depleted before I'm even able to start doing all the many things that's on my to-do list, what can I do for myself? And that actually began this one question that I started to ask myself every day, which is what do I need today? It's a question that I began to ask myself before I even opened my eyes. It really did change how I thought about myself on any given day. Tiffany Lanier is a dynamic keynote speaker, facilitator, and expert in personal growth, change, and well-being. As the founder of The Morning Shift Company, she works with organizations to help their teams move through disruptive seasons of change and reestablish clarity, focus, and resiliency by creating intentional and one-of-a-kind morning routines and rituals. Tiffany has helped thousands of leaders all over the world rediscover who they are, what they stand for, and what matters most so that they can shift into the highest potential and possibilities. Tiffany and I talk about a lot of things in this episode that have to do with rituals and routines and the power of finding morning rituals and routines. We'll unpack what is the difference between those two, and we are going to talk about the impact of morning rituals for yourself and also how they can contribute to the collective well-being and what you can do as a leader. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome to Evolve, a new era of leadership, a podcast for real leaders to join real conversations with business experts, practitioners, thought leaders, and change makers who integrate head, heart, and body in all they do, who commit to compassion and curiosity, who commit to radical self-leadership in their quest to understand others better too. Because the only way to deliver real results is to understand what it takes to lead real human beings. This is a new era of leadership. Carolyn Suara, and this is Evolve, a new era of leadership. Welcome, Evolve listeners, to another episode of this podcast, Evolve, a new era of leadership. And today's guest is coming to us from sunny, sunny Florida, Tiffany Lanier. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sunny, beautiful spring weather. I think yes. everyone's getting it now. So <laughs> yes, we are. Yay. We're certainly getting it here as well. And I think that's such a quick entree into what we're going to talk about. Because when I think of sunshine, I think of sunrises, I think of the morning. And I know that your work personally and professionally has a theme of morning to it. So why don't we just start off? What is it that you love about the morning? Yes. Besides the morning being that starting place, right? It's a place where we get to wake up and literally get to press the start button, the new button, have that kind of opportunity. The morning for me has really shaped my life and my work, particularly in the last seven or eight years. It started with having my first child and realizing how different my mornings oh, that's <laughs> were for sure. going to be <laughs> having a newborn baby. But I started experiencing postpartum depression about mm. six months into having my first child. And it was one of those moments 
that it's hard to explain to people if they've never experienced it before, because yeah. on one end, you have a human that you are <laughs> having to show up for, totally take care of, be present for. You're also having to be present or trying to be present for yourself, which is quite <laughs> challenging in those first yeah. few months. But then there's also work, right? You're also trying to get back in the groove of doing the work that you do in the world, whatever that looks like for you. And at this particular time, six months in, I started really feeling different. And mm. it was just a huge challenge being the person that I am, which at the time, and still to this day, I was a motivational speaker, clarity coach. So I provided clarity and motivation to people on the daily, but I wasn't right. feeling very clear or motivated myself. I felt like a fraud in so many different ways because I was experiencing this. And it was in this like mist of feeling like I hit, you know, a rock bottom moment right. in my life from not feeling like the best mother, not feeling like the best leader, not feeling like the best yeah business owner, best partner, best whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was not getting an award for anything at that moment in time. So it fell And a mentor of mine kind of set me down and she was just like, you've been through a lot. And, and prior to postpartum, I had went through a really complicated pregnancy before I ever even gave birth to the child and right. went through all the things. The complicated pregnancy was like the beginning of just losing a good part of myself through all of these many transitions. And this mentor came in and was just like, listen, you haven't slowed down. You went through all yep. these complications. You gave birth to a beautiful child. Like you overcame those complications, then gave birth to this beautiful child. Now you're experiencing all these new things, right? New identities, everything yep. that's coming through you. And then you just kept going. You're like, I'm going to continue to work and show up for everybody else and do all these things. But you haven't really acknowledged that you've gone through all of yes. these changes in such a short period of time. Yeah. Process it. You're not taking care of yourself. What are you going to do about it, basically? And I'm just like, right. what can I do about it? I don't know. And then she asked me another question sometime after that. And she was like, what do you do in the morning? And I mm. thought it was such a strange question because I'm like, I don't know what that has to do with anything, <laughs> anything that I'm going through or that I'm experiencing. Like, what is why are you asking that question? And at the time my answer was like, I'm trying to function, you know, like I'm just trying to interesting wake up and get through the day. Why did yeah. she ask you about the morning specifically? Yeah. So with that question, what she was getting at was that I wasn't taking care of myself first thing. Mm. And by obviously being sleep deprived, waking oh. up after the night with the baby, yeah. I'm already tired before I ever even start the day. Yeah. Then, then you move into work related things. You got clients, yep. you got all the stuff. And so you just kind of run through the day. And then before you know it, the day's over. Yep. And you're just trying to like catch up from all the things that happened in the day. And then you start it all over again. And so her intention with that question was, are you utilizing any time in the morning to check in with yourself, to take note, take stock of what it is that you need in this moment? And then are you doing anything about it if you receive that type of answer? And my answer was no, like I'm not doing anything intentional right. with my morning. Even though at that time I had, prior to having a baby, I did have morning routines and things that I tried to create for myself. Right. But 
all that gets like thrown out the window. <laughs> it felt like with having a new child and also experiencing postpartum, like I was just depleted from every angle of my yeah. existence. But that question really did start to spark something new in my mind because I'm like, okay, well, even if I wake up on any given day and I am feeling drained, I'm already feeling depleted before I'm even able to start doing all the many things that's on my to-do list. What can I do for myself? And that actually began this one question that I started to ask myself every day, which is what do I need today? And it's a question that I began to ask myself before I even opened my eyes. Recently did a TEDx talk on it and it really did change how I thought about myself on any given day. And so from this whole experience of asking myself this question, starting to create a morning practice that did honor those needs, that also gave me space to discover and redefine who I was for the moment and develop a new way of beingness. I changed not only how I started my day, but it really did change how I started to live. It changed how I started to lead. It changed how I reshaped my work to the point that I started a whole business on it. Because wow. I wanted people to realize that they could navigate these periods of tough disruption and change yep. through simple questions, simple practices, even if it feels hard in that moment, these are things that build up and could absolutely change the trajectory of your experiences. That was what really stood out to me. I mean, being a mom and remembering those, I don't even want to say days and everything just sort of went into like one big blob of, of six yeah. months, really. <laughs> it's a spiral of yeah. chaos. And the power of what you're talking about to help us in our workplaces and to help us as parents as well. So what I'm hearing from you is that the simple act of asking ourselves something can happen regardless of your age and stage and what else is going on in your world. And, and that's what I thought was really, really going to be helpful to our listeners. And again, I know parenting um, and overlay some of that caring for other family members, that also can be a draining experience. So can you tell us a little bit about what is that one question that you ask yourself each sure. morning? So the question is, what do I need today? Mm. And to me, it's a simple yet potent question because this act of centering around what you need not only pulls in your own personal desires or wants or other things, but you really do get to check in and say like, okay, maybe I am really exhausted waking up. And it's sad to say like we go to sleep and then we wake up already exhausted, yeah. right? So yep. That And there's a lot to that. Maybe we're not getting restful sleep. Maybe we have children like I do currently who wake you up in the middle of the night. All of these things are possible, but even just thinking about sleep, if you feel like, what do I need? Maybe I need more rest today, right? Yep. So where is it in my schedule that I could take a nap? Where I, I literally will be driving. If I can feel a wave of exhaustion come over me. Mm. I will pull over and I will take a 10 minute nap. Like wow. I would just close my eyes because just that ability to shut everything down actually allows you to reboot. It helps not only in the physical, but it helps your brain reboot. I mean, there's a lot of studies on that, but that's just one aspect, right? Or sometimes I ask myself that question and I mentioned this in my talk, 
but I noticed that I am like really dehydrated, mm. right? So instead of reaching for coffee, which sometimes is definitely a part of our routine, like we just wake up and we go straight to the coffee pot and you turn that yep. on. And that's the first thing that you drink in the morning. Yep. But maybe what you actually need is water. And right. dehydration leads to anxiety and irritability and all these other things that we're not taking into consideration as to why we might feel the way that we feel. So just the question of asking, what do I need today allows you to get centered quickly. Yeah. You're doing that check-in. So you're becoming more self-aware and you're able to like intuitively listen to what your body is asking of you in that moment. So whether it's yeah. the sleep, the water, you need more connection, you need to slow down, you need to speed up, whatever it is, it's giving you those cues for you to act on right away versus even having a traditional, what a lot of people would say, like creating a traditional morning routine is or morning rituals yes. and like what that looks like. This question is one that allows for you to be more intuitive with the things in which you do. So I say like, yeah a part of your morning routine and the actions that you take become a daily ritual for honoring your needs. I yeah. love that. And I know for me, I really struggled for many years with, you have to stick with the routine, you have to do the routine and just this sort of like overwhelming pressure that I was putting myself on that if I deviated from the routine, because everything I read and heard about said, you have to have a routine. And then you just lose track of yourself. And so I really just want to highlight what you said there, which is honoring what we need and the intuitive side of things. And I love that we have a combination of both here, right? The assertive or the goal focus combined with the intuitive flow. Mm -hmm. And that for all of our listeners out there is the missing piece that I have experienced personally and I've witnessed in countless experiences with clients is finding that balance of both. Mm -hmm. It's a dance. It really and is a dance. I teach morning routines and rituals and particularly how creating those routines and rituals will help you navigate through disruptions and changes or work disruptions and changes, but leaving room for flexibility and flow yeah. is really important when you're navigating change. Yep. So things don't look the same every day. Like yeah. your experience is not going to be the same every day. <laughs> children so don't wake up at the same hour every children day. Children <laughs> are always changing. And like, they literally are teaching you the lesson of having to ebb and flow. Yeah. And so trying to create a very strict routine, like you said, will eventually do the opposite of what you want it to do, yep. which is if we're tuning into routine in order to give us some regularity to help us be more tuned into ourselves and create a new habit or behavior around the things that we want to now experience. If we're not tapping into what is happening in real time, we'll find that we don't even get to the place that we're ultimately trying right. to go. And our habits and behaviors are not going to be what we want them to be. Essentially, they'll start yep. being rooted in perfectionism and right. rooted in, in other aspects of stuff that we're usually trying to work on. And so we have to create this space for discovery in the process of building habitual and behavioral change. So what would you say is the difference between routine and ritual then? A routine is exactly what it sounds like. Like it is something that you do consistently, 
right? So a routine is a consistent behavior that you're trying to build on in order to shape a new habit. So like Um, having breakfast each morning or like brushing my teeth before I go to work type thing. Is a part of your daily routine, right? Right. It might not be an intentional part of your routine, but it's something that you have to do. (laughs) You don't have to eat breakfast, but usually you do have to shower, brush your teeth, put your clothes on. Like these are things that are just like kind of innate routines. Usually when we talk about morning routines, we do talk about some level of intentionality of like weaving in something else. So whether we're like, okay, I want to get my fitness on and create more healthy fitness habits or healthier breakfast habits, what does that look like for me? So having this type of breakfast, coupling it with this type of workout, increasing my water, all those things can be added to a morning routine. I'm going to read every single day because I want to start reading a book a month. I want to start reading a book a week, whatever that is. So you have these goals and you're trying to build this into a daily routine. I believe that ritual adds meaning. So Mm -hmm. it's more holistic. It's more meaningful. It's definitely intentional, but it gives meaning to the activity. So anything can be ritualized in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So when we are thinking about waking up in the morning and we can make washing our face a ritual, right? So the act of the lathering and tuning in to the lathering and like quite literally feeling your face and feeling your hands touch your face and the way in which you stroke your face, it's a slowing down effect, right? And so it's helping you be present. And so for me, rituals allow you to be present in the moment. Yes. That's what was really was coming up for me. Yeah. That brings you in more connection, right? With your mind and your body. Whereas the routines are just sort of what you're going through. But I I love what you're saying though. Anything can be a ritual. Anything can be a ritual. As long as you're being present with it. As long as you're being present. And as long as you're creating meaning. Because why do we need to have both? Why both? Routines, habits, behaviors. And ritual can alter habits and behaviors depending Mm -hmm. on what's the behavior that you're looking to have. Okay. So I know that when I was moving through postpartum depression, when I was growing through that experience, what was lacking for me at that particular time was connection. Okay. I didn't feel very connected to myself. I didn't know who I was in that moment in time, like who I was then and who I was looking to even become moving forward. I was very stuck in this place of who I was and then my current reality not matching this place Mm. of who I was. And so there's a huge disconnect, right? So then that disconnect started to spiral into all areas of my life. I didn't feel connected to my partner. I didn't feel connected to my child. I didn't Mm. feel connected as a friend. I didn't feel connected as a business leader. I didn't feel connected to anything. So Mm. what I wanted was connection. Routine wouldn't have gotten me to connection. Yes. I see what you're saying. So I needed to ritualize in order to create some meaning. Mm. Right. And so what I started to do was light a candle every day. And the act of lighting the candle was like to drive a spark like a literal spark. And so the candle became a symbol for sparking something new for myself. Mm. And then taking like that nice deep breath and just like sitting with it to allow myself to begin that process of connecting in real time 
to this moment. Maybe I don't know what's going to happen later today. Maybe I don't know what's happening tomorrow or next week or next month or the trajectory of my life, my leadership, my work. But in this moment, in real time, the connection is between me and this flame, Mm. me and this candle, me and this breath. Just this idea or embodiment of a different type of connection begins to spark how you connect in general. And so it was this daily act of allowing myself to kind of sit in this like candle breath ritual of sorts that begin to tap into my own intuition, which begin allowing me to hear what it was that I needed and the actions that I needed to take in order to rebuild all these many aspects of my life that felt out of whack, right? right? And so to me, ritual is that act of adding meaning and purpose to whatever the moment is. Uh, Routine allows for you to create consistency, focus, discipline, all these things that we do need to reach new goals, yeah, right? But depending on the goal, especially when so many of us are really lacking connection, love, belonging. Yeah, like all of these things that the routine itself won't necessarily provide, but the ritual acts of even connecting to a friend every day or every week, whatever it is, starts to rebuild these parts of us that we're so lacking. So when we're hella focused on hella, that's how you know I'm from California. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you're really focused on routines and everything being productivity centric, yes. you miss out on these parts of yourself and your life that's so human. Absolutely. And that connects to other humans. And so creating the morning shift for me was to help people do the very thing that, that I did. was able to do for myself. And you asked that question. I just want everyone to yes. be reminded of this. You did that ritual while having a young mm-hmm. baby. Like how old was yeah. your baby by this point? Six months? During this time, anywhere from like that six months to like 18 month mark is when I started developing right. this new habit of creating morning space for myself. And- And the point being is it doesn't mean like a one hour long sit down and waking up at four o'clock in the morning. It definitely does not mean waking up at four in the morning. I'm like very anti, unless that is your natural inclination, your own like circadian and ultradian rhythms vibe to that. Like if that is you and you wake up naturally early and I'm an early person, but I'm not a that early person. And we can talk about some science behind that too, if we want to. But for me... And I was very specific about the TEDx talk that I recently gave on this particular subject, because I talked about how we usually think about morning routines when it comes to the 4 or 5 a.m. wake up time, the hyperproductivity types of routines that we have. If you don't have a morning routine, then are you successful? Because all successful people talk about how they have one, right? Yeah. But this also dilutes our different types of lived experiences that we have. Not all of us, especially new mothers, yeah. right? Or new parents, to be more specific and inclusive, new parents that have children in, as well as if you have to go to work at 5 a.m., right? Yeah. There are some people who work very early morning shifts, right? Yep. 
So we're talking about very different lived human experiences here. So how do we create this time that everyone can have for themselves? Right. So before I get to that point, to go back to your question, like I had a very small child, yes, but my mother was very integral to this point in my life because Mm. she would help watch my daughter in the morning to give me more time to fulfill the needs that I have. Mm. So it wasn't that I self-cared my way through this challenging period, but community care and my mom being my community at that time was integral to the success of what I was feeling. So that's a conversation I would love to dive into. But what do I need today being a question that you can ask yourself? Like I said, I asked myself that question before I even get out of bed. So before I open my eyes fully and super conscious, I'm asking myself that question so that I can tune in to, even if it's the one thing, Yeah. what is the one thing that I can do to honor myself this morning? And if that is the glass of water, then that is what I'm going to do for myself, right? And I'm going to like enjoy the refreshing glass of water, be mindful in that moment and take what I can get. Yeah. However... This then leads me to the question and like the really basis of the work that I do now is how do you combine this act of self-care with community care and whose responsibility is it? Yes. That brings us to the workplace. Yeah. <laughs> to the well, workplace. <laughs> and, and yeah. And how can we as leaders help contribute to morning rituals? Can we chat a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. Yes. So when I think about that particular time in my life. So I've been an entrepreneur for a decade or a little over a decade. And so even then I could ultimately create my own schedule to some degree, right? So it's not that I was commuting, that I had to go clock in anywhere. So that in itself gave me more flexibility in how I structured my morning. Having my mother be able to help me with my daughter also a privilege and a flexibility that not everyone has. So I want that to be very clear because I know, again, that that's not everyone's lived experience. So how do you create these types of routines and ritual systems that allow for you to honor yourself in this way? Then the token gets passed along to where we spend our time in the mornings. Mm. And so we spend our time either in the workplace or we spend our times in schools. So, and we're usually rushing mad dash, right? We're mad dash to get everybody out of the house, ready to go first thing in the morning to get to school, to get to work, to get all these things done. So when we're in a mad dash and we're rushing around like crazy and it feels very chaotic, when you step into the classroom, you step into the workplace. How are you feeling? Mm. How are you really feeling? Yeah. And maybe you give yourself, if you're like mindful, like you give yourself like a moment to reset before you start doing all the things, but it's likely that you chug a cup of coffee or two and then you start diving straight into work. And then now it's emails and meetings and phone calls and all the things. And then you wonder why at the end of the day, you're exhausted. You're exhausted. You're yeah. feeling depleted. And now you're also like, well, I don't have that much time to do the things that I like needed to do. Cause if you have children, now you're back home with the kids and they require all of you, Attention, you know, yep. it's just days. Right. And now we're seeing days and weeks and months and years. And then we wonder why we are mentally and emotionally 
exhausted, ill to some degree, we're burned out. And then we ask the question, like, why? (laughs) I mean, for very obvious reasons. So my quest now is to talk and work with organizational leaders and helping them facilitate space. What does this look like? Not only from a training perspective, because I have trainings on navigating change, embracing change, and then creating morning routines and rituals to help through that. But teaching that is one thing, which is great. And I am hired for all the time, but that's also putting it on the individual person, which there is one part, self-care, self-responsibility, how we monitor our own days and all of that jazz. However, we are also spending a great amount of our time in other institutions and other systems, right? That we are contributing to in some way, shape or form. So when I say whose responsibility is it, we'd like to think that the sole responsibility of personal growth is the person. That's not going to happen. Right. And I believe that personal growth isn't just personal, it's collective. As we grow as individuals, we ultimately have a ripple effect on other people. And as we don't grow as people, we have a ripple effect, some type of change, whether the change is positive or not is really the floating question. So if we're looking to, and then it's actually vice versa as well, the collective responsibility, our collective well-being, creating an environment of well-being will breed well people. Yes. And so when we're doing that, like micro of like, well, how are we starting our days? What does our work environment look like when people get here? Human beings, when they get into into our workplace, knowing that we're all living the chaos experience, like none of us are not feeling the many pulls of every direction of life. And so as leaders, we know what we're experiencing. So we have to also know that everyone else is also experiencing those things. So what is the type of expectation and pressure that you're putting on people literally as soon as they walk through the door? Because on one end, they're supposed to be fresh, ready to go performance. But what did the morning look like before they ever even entered the workplace? Well, and I can tell you as a former leader in a big workplace, not former leader, because I believe we can all be leaders our whole Mm -hmm. life. And having a mom looking after for many of those years, looking after them on my own. And it was a mad dash in the morning to get out the door and get them dropped off and and all of that. And it was the presence that I was seriously lacking. I mean, as I was getting them ready, I was thinking about, okay, what's my day like? Who are my meetings with? Where do I really have to like be on? So I was so out of I guess, out of presence, that it was just that, like, as you described earlier, you just kind of do, do and cycle through and cycle through. And then one day it's like, damn, this isn't working for me. That might be a health scare. It might be a whole bunch of different things. It might be something in your family. And so similar, like this is where our work has an intersection. And I love the simplicity and the accessibility of how you're talking about this to really help people see the value of setting that intention in the morning. Cause I'm sitting here thinking, man, if I had done that before I started my day, I think I would have just found a little bit more space and a little bit more space gives you just a little bit more space, which gives you a little bit more space and a little bit more grace, right? Exactly. And then you get in experiences. Right. And then you get into the office, like, 
okay, maybe I am just going to take an extra five minutes to walk around before I start my day and pull myself together. Instead of whipping in, throwing the purse in the corner, hanging up the jacket, turning the computer on, or like looking at your iPhone, or I mean, it was a Blackberry back then too, (laughs) but just like trying to like get ahead of things and never feeling like you could get ahead. So beyond leaders taking that own personal accountability, what are some things from collective care, from a collective approach that workplaces could consider trying out or ritualizing to Mm -hmm. help create this place of presence? Yeah, it's really focused in on a culture of well-being and care. So from top to finish, what I find in having conversations with different organizational leaders, you know, when we think about well-being or wellness programs, the teaching of things is fine. Like Mm. workshops, great. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Training days, great. I have one. (laughs) Like, you know, like a whole day full of like getting into it. But until it becomes a practice, yeah. Did we really do anything? And so where does the space go? And so I remember having a conversation with an organizational leader. We were talking about my programming. And one of my morning sessions is like an hour, could be an hour and a half, depending on like people time, all this stuff. And she's like, well, that's great. That sounds really good. But like, can it be done in 15 minutes? Oh, dear. <laughs> and so I'm like, hmm, something could be done in 15 minutes. Yes. But will it have the type of impact that you want it to have? Like when we think about what is the ROI, like what is like yep. the return on impact, right? Not just investment, but what is the return on impact? Like what are you ultimately seeking yep. from your people? Like, how are you really wanting them to not only show up in the day or the experience, the mindfulness lesson that they learned, but at some point we have to incorporate these things. At some point it has to be a part of a culture shift. It has to be a part of an internal shift and both have to almost work simultaneously together if we're co-creating an experience that we want to have moving forward that ultimately changes how people are well and how the company is well. So when I think of, and when I talk to and work with various organizations, we can talk about like what is happening at the start of the day what are the majority of people in here up to? What are they doing? And do we want to have like a policy that is ultimately like everyone takes five? Like before you start, you have a moment to breathe, a moment to do what you need to do to reset. I'm not expecting the email at 9.03. What is it that we are ultimately shaping people to do? Are we providing a physical space? actual space that's dedicated to mental and emotional, like designed for mental and emotional health. Something else that I'm also looking into doing for my company in the future is like, what do these kinds of spaces look like to help regulate our nervous system just by sight, just by sound, just by all these different types of experiences. And so there's a varied amount of ways to incorporate little things to very large things, depending on the size of the company and the budgets and all of that jazz. Yeah. Like there's so many things you can do. I do believe that it starts with knowledge on an individual level because everyone is different, yeah. right? Some people love to meditate and some people like literally loathe meditating to the point, like it's not effective. So yeah. implementing a meditation for all <laughs> yeah. might not actually work, right? So like how we choose modalities and the flexibility really does start with self-awareness. It starts with every individual 
being able to kind of take stock in who they are, what they're currently experiencing, and what this navigation looks like for them, and what are the types of things and activities that they could be doing that helps them regulate in that moment and create mm-hmm. space for showing up for all the many tasks ahead. Right, right. And then there is the company side of it. What is the well being culture that we're trying to implement, and how do we? provide different types of experiences that cater to different types of learning, different types of mental and emotional issues or problems that people are having. So being well-rounded, it takes work, it takes time, it takes a level of presence and consciousness, but it has to start somewhere. And so by focusing in on like, what can we do this morning? What do I need today? for individuals to ask themselves that question and organizational leaders to ask, what do we need today? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, what is it that we all need? Because I know what I need now. And if I need this, that, and the other, then I can only imagine what others, what others are needing right now. And how can I be an advocate for this type of change? What does that look like? It's a lot of questions, right? And eventually you have to start working through like what these answers are. But the questions is the spark. It's the beginning of trying to assess what is possible and what is needed. And I appreciate what you're saying there because I'm going to guess like me or like the listeners like me might be thinking, well, Tiffany, just give us a list of things that we need to do. But that's not the answer. That's That's not the answer. answer. Because it really depends. Exactly. And I think that there is a lot of relearning. Being mindful of that is a great first step. And that can help shape how you lead the organization. So I really appreciate how you did not give me an answer of check, 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 check. (laughs) I know. It is challenging when people... They always want that for me, both as an individual and as a larger entity. But... This is where like, there's so many factors that come yeah. into play that needs to be analyzed and thought through and thought out that if I gave you something just to work. take with you, it might not work for you and yeah. it might not work for your company at large. And so that's where the work comes in. That is yeah. where the consulting and the working with and the coaching and all of those pieces come into play so that we can really narrow down what that is, but also just literally creating space to listen, Yes, listen to yourself and listen to those around you and what they actually need in order to be well. Yeah. I think that's just a beautiful way to wrap it up. I was going to ask you like, what's one piece of advice you would give leaders, but I think you just said it. Create the space (laughs) and the presence. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the ultimate gift that we can give to ourselves and give to one another is space and presence because anything is possible when there is space to see and space to feel. And when you're present enough to take note of what actually is happening versus what happened in the past and what could happen in the future, because everything is possible right now. When we're present to that, we can literally create any reality that we want. Yeah. Tiffany, where could the listeners find you? If they want to work with you, if they want to see your TED talk, where can they find you? So everything is at livewithtiffany.com. So even you can get to the morning shift from Live with Tiffany, but you also have org, O-R-G dot themorningshift.com if you're looking for this type of programming for your company. And yeah, social media, same thing at Live with Tiffany and at the Morning Shift Co. 
Beautiful. And we'll make sure that we have all those links in the show notes. Now, I'm going to ask three questions because I wrap up every show. It's not one question per se, but these three questions definitely relate to a lot of what we talked about today, which was co-regulation, self-regulation, and self-awareness, all elements of an evolved leader. So the first question has to do with self-awareness and asking you to share a moment that you're comfortable sharing that might have been really uncomfortable, but full of tremendous insight about yourself. I think it would be that postpartum time mm. because it was a time that while experiencing it, there's like a lot of shame, right? Mm. A lot of shame around even experiencing it because up until that moment, I had experienced depression a lot as a teenager and like young adult in my twenties. Okay. And then I started doing a lot of self-work Mm. personal growth work where I felt like I had beat depression, right? Oh, like, wow. um, and so I had convinced myself that I could not be depressed. Like that was not an option for me anymore. So and that's also like, like a toxic no. positivity thing that like is a yeah. whole another conversation for another yeah. day, but you can't think positive, think yourself out of everything. And there's a lot of work to do. And so for me going through postpartum, not knowing that that was even a thing <laughs> that you experienced because not we don't talk about it a lot. We're not as open about that type of experience. There was a lot of shame personally that I felt like I couldn't show up at the time as the best version of myself for everyone. And so it was in those moments of darkness that when I started to ask myself that question of what do I need and how can I tend to myself to move through this time, both mm -hmm. physically in my body, mentally, emotionally, like all the things. It was there. It was the stillness and then the quietness mm -hmm. and the allowing and the surrendering and the acceptance. I mean, there was just so much there right. that ultimately just changed the trajectory of how I moved through life. Wow. It has completely shaped the way that I teach and the way that I coach and how I hold space for others. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, at that time, when I felt like I can't be something, I can't be depressed, I can't go, I can't experience negative feelings because then I'm not evolved or then yeah. I haven't reached some kind of peak enlightenment, yep. um, which is crazy <laughs> to think back then that, that I thought that. But when I look back at all the books and podcasts and all the things that I was absorbing, it felt like if you really did evolve, then you evolved past the human. Yes. Oh, and that's and not that, true. That's not true. Yes. <laughs> that's not true. That, so that is not how I teach care, yeah. how I teach self-care or community care and showing up for the humanness in which we are. And so it was in that, to answer the long way around your question, um, it was in that that truly sparked a level of self-awareness that I am grateful for yeah. now that I look back on it. Yes, it was period of time that really took a lot out of me, but my, has it shaped my life and shaped the work that I get to do today? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Second question, interestingly enough, has to do with a ritual. I kind of feel like you see <laughs> how our work intersects. What is a practice or ritual that keeps you in a calm or regulated state or one that returns you, helps bring you back to a regulated state? Breath. Yeah. Like simple, deep, full body breath mm. and lying on the ground. Like oh, really I like flat out on the ground, like flat out on the ground, just like ground, like literal 
groundedness. I'm telling you when I think about how I ritualize anything, I give it like literal meaning, <laughs> like the literal spark of a candle, like that sparks imagination and vision and all the things and being on the ground just to ultimately feel grounded. Like there is only up from here, like visually, physically, all of the things and breathing, breathing either upright or on the ground, take it mm. to the floor. I'm going to try lying on the ground. I've never done that before. Unless yes. I've been like falling down playing sports or something. Yeah. So this is a nice way to experience the floor without falling on. It. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. a very intentional placement of being mm. on the ground. All right. I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> Please do. All right. And the last one, what is a song or genre of music that makes you feel connected to others or part of something bigger than yourself? Yes. So I feel like I have two, but I'm going to give you my one song and then I'm going to give you a genre. (laughs) Man in the Mirror by Mm. Michael Jackson. I feel like there's so many Michael Jackson songs that are just community oriented, but Man in the Mirror is that song that literally is that the change that you want to see starts with you. If you want to make yep. the world a better place, look in yourself and make a change, right? Yep. If I didn't know what my work was and listening to that line, I'm like, if you wonder what is it that I do, it's that. <laughs> it's yeah. that line. Like, how do you make the world a better place by looking and starting with yourself and making a change? That yep. is it for me. And then a genre of music that really makes me feel connected to humanity is Broadway music. Mm. because every Broadway musical has a deep story and essence and it's a reflection of some type of human quality. Yes. So whenever, and I jam out, I'm the one that like is blasting Broadway music in the car with the windows down and being like, yes, this is what I'm bumping (laughs) right now. So I just saw Wicked. I just took my daughter to see Wicked a couple of days ago and just being there for the fifth time for me (laughs) and experiencing it from another time. Like it was years since I've seen it and getting to watch it again and kind of experience the music from a new lens. It's like, wow, like it's so much to human nature, politics, internal struggle, external struggle. I mean, there's just so much. And so I find that is applicable to almost any musical. Like Mm. it's just the story of our humanity for that. I love it. Well, if you ever come to Toronto, you know what we're doing. We're going to go see a musical because we have lots of great shows here in Toronto. Love to. All right. <laughs> now Toronto is on the list. It is. <laughs> I will come and we can watch anything. Because Sounds I good. Love a good show. Sounds good. Me too. Well, Tiffany, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show and a big shout out to Mike and Nino and Claude DeVita for making that connection for us. And yeah, I really hope our listeners go check out your work. I think it's fabulous, Tiffany, and I'm just really grateful to have met you. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here with you. I'm a big believer that there is a lot of power in the small moments of our life. And in this discussion with Tiffany, we're reminded of the power of finding that morning moment, the power of setting an intention help bring yourself into the presence and create just a little bit of space to look after what it is that you need. Now this was a practice 
that I wish I had learned years and years and years ago. But the fact is, I just learned it more recently. And I can tell you, it does help create space. It does help you take back some of the control that it feels like you might have lost. I really encourage you to check out Tiffany's work and see what the power of that morning moment can do for you. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast. Please, if you can, take a moment to review, rate, and subscribe. It would mean an awful lot. And you can get Evolve, the path to trauma-informed leadership at Amazon and at other local book retailers. I hope you get a chance to pick one up. See you soon.